this episode is brought to you by our new sponsor, Useful Corruption. Hey, do you happen to be a corrupt politician who has $100 million or so lying under your bed or $50 million in the guest bathroom? How about considering Useful Corruption? Invest your stolen funds in local businesses at reasonable interest rates and make that money work for you while you make your money work for the people. Useful corruption. Stealing. That helps. Podcast or this podcast helps or anybody affiliated with this podcast does not in any way endorse or encourage money laundering. Welcome to Pod Save Africa. It's your host again, Akiandi Adirili. And today I have a guest with me that's going to talk in a very fascinating and, and honestly a little bit of a funny subject. Um, his name is Ayobami. Ayobami, do you uh, mind introducing yourself to my listeners? Um, I'm Ayobami Adekujo. Is What do people call you, Ayobami or Ayo? Ayobami. Okay, so. Everyone is fine. Ayobami, A-Y. Okay. Yep, oh, okay. <laughs> so I about me. Um, let, let's start with the, the topic at hand now. Um, Nigeria's president. It seems like I mean, first of all, where is, do you know where he is? Is that you know? Well, the claim from the presidency is that he's in London. Okay. Um, that he wrote to the Nigerian Senate that was traveling abroad for medical purpose and okay. he said he was handing over to his vice president per the constitution right. the claim is that he's in london okay well we have to agree he's in london just yesterday coincidentally from the time you told me about this podcast just yesterday some apc governors went to meet with him okay. in london and they released a picture just one picture. They had um, a fruit dinner, and right. he was right there with them. So okay. the claim and the belief from everyone now is that he's with UK specialists. We don't know what is treating, but he's in London. He's supposed to be in London. Okay. So, so, so just for a lot of my listeners actually are not Nigerian. So they, so okay. let's add a let's add a little background to the situation. Um, okay. And so Nigeria's president was elected. Um, in 2015, right? 15, 2015, yes. and um, he's he's a gentleman of about 72, 73 yeah. years old. So he's a, he's 73 a, years old now, going on 74. Going something, going on 74. So this is Kevin, who has, uh, has 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 his gray hairs, and yeah. um, and you know, as as one would expect, or at least as one should anticipate, um, the health would not be that of a, a younger person. So. Um, he's had to leave the country how many times now for, for medical treatment? Um, third time since he became president. Uh, the thing is, he started while he was on the campaign trail. He hmm. took some time time off then okay. on the campaign trail. And the opposition party then, the, inc- the incubate party then, now mm-hmm. opposition, the PDP, right. they made a lot of allegations that he had um, cancer and right. he suffered from dementia and wow. he was not going to be fit to run the country. Right. So from his campaign to when he won the election, He's been abroad like four times. Four times, wow. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, you know, how many days is this like short visits or has he been? No, lengthy ones. The one before this one was about two months. 
Wow. And um, it became a serious issue in the country then because um, he, although he had, he added over to his VP, which is what everybody tends to say, mm. but um, we are conflating political power with legal power. The VP is the acting VP now, but there are a lot of um, problems in the country in the sense that the acting VP does not get to really control the presidency as it should be. There are a lot of things he's not been able to do. Mm. Uh, Nigeria just basically passed the 2017 budget in July. Wow. Halfway so, through the year? Yeah, halfway through the year. And you can imagine the problem with the president not being around. The vice president was supposed to sign the budget, but they played a lot of politics around it. Right. The day he signed the budget, he, he, uh, there was a news that was released that the president gave him, gave him the direction to sign the budget, hmm. which shouldn't be. So if the vice president is acting, he should right. be able to have all the power. Right, he shouldn't need direction from the... Yeah, Okay. to move ahead. So, so more on this topic of, you know, the president's cousins. First of all, if, if you were to give an estimate of how long he's been out of out of action, the, the current president, President Buhari, um, how, ma- how many days would you say it is? In total, including or just this one, this particular one is 78 days now. Wow. The previous one was 50 plus days and the one before that was about 20 days. Right. So, I mean, that's well over 100 days. Yeah, that's what Oh, wow. Okay, so, you know, how has that... Other than you, you started to mention some of it, that it started to affect the political situation because the vice president yeah. doesn't have enough political leverage, if that's what I'm understanding. Um, yes. So so who is struggling with him? Who is who is the faction that he's having issues with? With the vice president? Yes. Um, the claim in um so social media and print media in nigeria is there's a cabal in the presidency okay and um it, it goes from the nigerian north south she's in like there's a muslim north and a christian south it, right. it's deeper than that basically because even in the north there are christians and even the but it's just majority and the law of averages at play right. the best president as usual is the southern christian okay. the president is a northern muslim now okay. let's take you back to the background that there was a time the previous president a southern christian mm-hmm. replaced another muslim that died in power right so the current um president or the presidency the people behind his presidency they want to repeat what happened then mm-hmm. so there's a bit of restriction on the powers given to the southern christian presidents right. this might seem um, a bit um, confusing to people that are not nigerians right. but it's just one of the intrigues um, involved in african tribal and religious politics for example two um, ministers had been confirmed by the senate's presidents and they were supposed to be signed in but since the president left the country they have not been um, sworn in by the oh, wow. vice president okay so there are lots of loopholes here and there the before the president traveled the secretary to the state government was suspended over corruption allegations wow. and the vice president was supposed to sit on um the investigation panel right. and report to the president the vice president promised to re-release the reports within a month mm-hmm. but 
three months later now we don't have any reports because yeah. obviously he's not going to release the report to himself right. and he does not have the power to fire another secretary to the state government ah i see um, so we so there are a lot of things like that, that are going on wow within the presidency let, let me give you an example of, of something that happened just tonight okay um uh, newspaper an online newspaper premium times published a story that the vice president will finally um uh, swear in those ministers tomorrow okay. the president's uh, media aide um garbashe who right. came out immediately guns blazing on twitter and he said this is not happening this is fake news uh-huh. nothing of sort is happening then the vice president's aide came out about an hour later He's a Southern Christian, like the Vice President. Right. In fact, he's a pastor in the Vice President's church, too. Wow. He came out to say the, the Vice President will swear in those ministers. So, contra- contrasting. Wow. Yeah, contrasting news. So, there, there are a lot of loopholes. So, the country as it is, um, let me just say, is stagnant. The, okay. the movement, the Vice President visits places, you know, gives speeches, talks the good talk because he has um, the original progress and is a bit more educated than the president, honestly. So, right. so it's better for optics. At least we get to see him. He, right. he, he builds confidence in people. He's been visiting places. Right. Like the president might have annoyed some people in the Niger Delta region when he claimed that people that did not vote for him will not be well represented in his government. He had right. that 97%, 5% speech right. on inclusive governance. And the vice president had been touring those oil producing states, you know, talking to them, right. the chieftains, visiting young and old people, and very he's been doing that very well. And at least there's some confidence. But, but in terms of governance, there is no movement at all. Right. So, so, so you know, let's uh, talking talking more about economics because I mean that's okay. where it's going to trickle down to. Is it has yeah. it started to affect the food that people get to put in their stomachs? Yeah, definitely. Even before the president traveled, while he was around, okay. he he had uh, um, some. Let me say this might be subjective, but he had some poor policies on the foreign exchange. Okay, he ultimately led the country into a recession. Right. He was fighting capital controls, so he made um, a lot of foreign investors leave. Like JP Morgan basically ripped Nigeria off the JP Morgan index. Oh, wow. And from that, we lost a lot of foreign direct investments, which led to job losses and factories being shut down. And, you know, the country basically ran into a recession. So the time he traveled, the last time after mm-hmm. he traveled, the vice president relaxed some of those policies. Right. And I see. You, you, people started seeing the differences. A lot of people praised the vice president, the foreign exchange got, although, you know, it was not sustainable because they were basically injecting more um, foreign exchange into the right. into the market. But but there was some stability in it. They moved the Naira peg a bit. The president believed that they can peg the Naira at that rate without basically moving it or devaluing the Naira. But the previous time I was sick, the, the Naira was devalued, you know, there was some confidence in bringing money back into the country, mm-hmm. basically with the vice president. Okay. So this current absence now affects in the sense that the budget, which was not passed until June, July, Seven. Yeah. Um, 
really delete a lot of things because you know money makes the world go round. Right. And I think it's happening. Even with though that. they might argue that the spending did not stop, but it was extra spending from the previous year's budgets. Right. So probably additional so, debt, maybe. Yeah. I see. And 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 is is there you know do you think perhaps in your in your personal opinion do you think perhaps that mm-hmm. the the vice president is essentially posturing to take over the role of the current president? Um, I want to believe he is definitely. Um, every man is ambitious, and right. I don't know ambition ambition killed Caesar. But the thing is, he knows where he stands. Right. The northerners have been, you know, coming out to talk in, on TV, in newspaper, on print media, and on social media to say the mistake that happened with Yaradua, the president that died, mm-hmm. will not happen this time again. Okay, we what's that? Mean? What does let, that mean? Which, which basically means we will not let, you know, a southerner replace our northern president again. It's, it's just a game. It's just, you know, a travel game. And they've not been missing words by coming out to say this will not happen again. So I want to believe that even though the vice president must be ambitious, mm-hmm. he must be keeping his cards close to his chest. Right. But at the end of the day, I think um, civil society and citizens should push the president to resign and make the vice president replace him already because basically there's no point. The, very, the president was not voted for to sit down in London. Right. I understand that, you know, we are all mortal and everybody gets to be sick, but we are talking about responsibilities and, you know, taking care of the entire country. The secrecy around his sickness is basically the main problem. Right. It, it makes you think Not of the worst case. Like, nobody knows what is wrong with him. Right. Huh. But, but if we were and to hear what it actually is, King, would we even see? I said, if we were to hear what it actually was, would we even trust him to continue leading us? Uh, probably not, but um, transparency is needed because he's um, in London on state funds. Right. They keep um, pumping a lot of money into the Aso Villa Clinic. Right. Billions of naira go into the budget for the Aso Villa Clinic. And he does not stay there. While he was on the campaign trail, he promised Nigerians that people will government officials will not travel abroad on medical tourism yes he did that was his promise and this is a promise that he broke already right but even if he's seeking um the best medical care although it does not go well or speak well for the country itself right. yeah. that the president the number one person that should have access to, to the best healthcare, healthcare in the, country, in the country does not trust the healthcare system in the country so right. it basically means the masses are on their own <laughs> yeah yeah, sorry to laugh about that, but that's no, that's tragic, fine, but dark humor. That's that's just that because if there is anything that is good in the country that the president does not have access to, I don't I don't think that right. exists. So right. he has access to the best healthcare, to the best hospitals, be it private or public, be it publicly funded or from international NGOs. He has right. access to everything. Right. But he left the country for UK specialists, so he does not speak well. Not only for the country, but for Africa as a continent itself. Yeah, because there, there wasn't even somewhere else in Africa that I could have gone to. That I could have gone to, right. so you can imagine. He, wow. he basically left the country for days on end. So people will say, yeah, he already transferred past to the, to the VP, and the VP is doing well. You know, 
I might be subjective by saying I've not been impressed with the VP. I understand that um, it's better. It, it's just um, the baseline effects kicking in. Right. Mm. I understand that you know the VP is better, but he does not have the political power. He has the legal powers. Right. But he does not have the political power to make these tough decisions that only the president can make. Right. Because he's given the mandates by election and such and such. Exactly. I see. So, so my my next question would to you would be, you know, given all this this hodgepodge of different things going on, what what would be the best way for this scenario to play out? What you know, would should the president resign? Okay, would the best case scenario be him getting better? Um, what... I, I I really want the president to get better and come back. That would be the best case scenario for me. But okay. I think he should resign. Hmm. The best case scenario is for him to get better come okay. back and rule the country people voted for him he had a lot of goodwill coming in people mm. loved him yeah. you know the people felt they had been so changed in the years in the pdp years yeah. so they came in with a lot of goodwill he came in with a lot of goodwill yeah. he, he was changed to right fight corruption yeah and um security and in fairness to him immediately he came in he the one book which had almost been won before he came in was was really improved. The, okay. There was high morale in the military because he was a general in the military himself, right. and you know he made a lot of moves like that until the sickness. Hmm. For everything, while he's been poor with the economy, security improved a bit. Okay, factually, although internal security in the, in terms of um, Fulani elders. Right. You know, going into farms and destroying people's properties and moving. People believe because the president is full and himself, he gave them the authenticity to, to, you know, right. to just go ahead and do anything. Hmm. Things like that, we see how those things increasing because they believe the president will be back ultimately, right. will be back in the country. And because there are a lot of rumors about you know him being poisoned and all and mm. the federal government did not come out to say anything about these rumors the rumor i heard is really you know popular in the north northern part of the country right they feel you know we are trying to play fast one of them and by we now i mean the southerners, southerners. they think the southerners have purposefully you know you know trying to play fast one on them that right. you know maybe they killed the previous one and they are trying, trying to, to do the same one on this one that that's, so, is I, a bad look especially for people that's who are, ba- yeah that right. is very bad and it just shows you how the enmity continues between if if i were to just ask now i'm asking you probably the tough questions that are difficult to answer but okay. you know you've you've highlighted the division between the north and the south uh yeah has been a difficult thing now i have to it's a two-part question first of all where, where did that even come from and second of all, how do we resolve it? Um, the division, I don't know. It's pre-independence, pre the first ship that you know came into the geographical expression that is Nigeria now. Mm-hmm. I think culturally, um, we are different peoples. I do not have any problem with anyone in the north. I, in fact. If you go down south, you might see more divisions between families than the north, south north season, right. which is more geopolitical than anything. Right. 
so i do i don't have a personal problem with anyone but it's, it's just um the lumping together the amalgamation Mm-hmm. of the northern and southern peoples was not done with respect to the northern and southern peoples we are different people culturally right. um, and with really even um, when you see the northern muslims mm-hmm. they are a bit different from the southern muslims yeah. so it just it does not mean there should be no unity we are, in fact there are larger countries with more heterogeneous people right. that is not the problem but the kind of politics we've played from pre-independence years where you know we had regional politics where mm-hmm. most of the leading politicians were basically just regional champions you had the Aulawa that was Yoruba regional champion you had mm-hmm. Namdi Azukwe from the east and the ah, Sodana I see. of Shokoto so that structure so the, almost divided us from the, from the get-go exactly from the beginning they were running a race to the bottom, that's what we call it in economics, hmm. to improve their region, so they basically pit themselves against each other. Hi, it's me again, interrupting your listening again. Sorry about that. I just wanted to thank you for subscribing and listening to this episode. I actually also would like to invite you, if you have anything you really care about and you'd love to share with the world, Please reach out to me at podsaveafrica at gmail.com and enjoy the rest of your listening. Enjoy the rest of your day. Enjoy the rest of your week. And don't forget to share, like, subscribe, rate me on iTunes, tell your friends, tell your friends' friends, and tell your enemies too. They deserve to listen to Pod Save Africa too. Bye. So that structure almost divided us from the, from the get-go. Exactly. From the beginning. They were running a race to the bottom, that's what we call it in economics, hmm. to improve their region. So they basically pit themselves against each other. Right. And a lot of these things have been handed over over the years. Right. Huh. As for your question on the solution to it, I yes. think the first um, step is to admit that right now there is no unity. We, you know, we can come out in conferences and seminars and workshops to say oh, we want unity mm-hmm. we should we want Nigeria we have to first admit that there is no unity behind the surface right. at least between the masses mm-hmm. my solution to that would be to devolve powers from the federal government to the states How, how do, what does that look like? Okay, let me just explain. Basically, what we need is a proper federal structure. Now, we call it the Federal Republic of Nigeria, but there's nothing federal about it. It's a unitary system okay. which the military puts in place so that they can control everywhere from the center. Right. Most, what we do now is states get money mm-hmm. from the... There's no... There is no incentive for competition. We just basically get oil from Nigeria Delta and redistribute it through the FAAC accounts to right. states. So governors just go to Abuja every month to get money. Right. Abuja is the capital of Nigeria. Abuja right. is the capital of mm-hmm. the country. Government Governors just go there to get money for their states. Okay. And it's just a feeding bottle federalism because it does not incentivize people to go back to their states and try to improve their own states. I see. 
So what we need to do is to then develop powers, make give um the states the mineral rights, right. let them control their resources, right. let them control their taxes and people can then negotiate what they would donate to the center. So the center can just all be about foreign policy, monetary policy. Right. I, I do have a question though. Given okay. given Nigeria's outlay, if I'm correct, where a lot of the resources are in the south southern region, the, the southernmost tip of Nigeria, yeah. wouldn't yeah. that you know form another set of complications as far as well? You have more resources, you should donate more to the federal government. That kind of that's, that's it. Now they are donating more to the federal government. They get thirteen percent of the revision. Wow. So that is the system we are already playing. Free oil, it was fifty percent. Mm. When that was when um it was agriculture. Right. The south had cocoa, the north had the Grand Pyram pyramids, the southeast had um oil palm. Right. And it was fifty percent and people lived there and you a lot of the infrastructure in the southwest now was built with the cocoa money from the cocoa years. Wow. They built stadiums, right. schools. In fact, there was free education all over the all south. Yeah, that is true. Which increased the literacy levels in the southwest yeah. compared to other parts of the country. Then, and it was done from cocoa money. This mm. was before we even discovered oil, before the Dutch disease right. came in. So, it is not something that is not impossible. I understand that. Obviously, the South South will get more money with yeah. resource control. Yeah. But they are already living with the environmental degradation anyway. Right. It is they can no longer fish, they can no longer farm, right. they can no longer do a lot of things. So that at costs. the end of the day, we we can be bound by trade. Mm-hmm. Okay, you don't have fishes. Let's you can ship it mm. from other places. I see. Can, there is no problem with trade. In fact, farther places are more heterogeneous places. They are bound by trade. Right, right. Huh, that is true. That's a that's a that's a pretty noble idea. I think. Yeah. So I okay. think what we need to do is run a proper federal system, okay. develop power to the states, make the states you know control their resources, and incentivize local competition between these states. It's for example, you get some states saying they want to build um, 50 mosques or 100 churches. Right. This is because they, they don't depend on local trade or local internally uh, generated revenue right. to do anything. They have to go for it. They, they just, just collect handouts. Every month. Right. At the end of the month, they get it again. So, right. uh, at the end of, there, is no, there is no competition. It does not... It doesn't, it, trust me, if you collect um, allowance from your parents till you're 50, you might just sit down and say, you know what, I'll leave this way. <laughs> yeah. You'd be fine because there's no there's no reason exactly. to go so away. even parents, you know, there's, there's a particular that you just cut you off, like, right. it is time to go out there and compete. So, Nigeria's toddlers need to grow up yeah, pretty we much. Need to, we need to, yeah, the governors need to competes we need the race to the bottom between um the states and the competition the first competition would everybody trying to attract new businesses to their states and right. we have different taxes in different states and right. you know the huh. land taxes and everything is different so you there, there are varieties of things where you look at before you go into a state to invest 
Right, right. And then and then doesn't that I, I find that fascinating because what that suddenly means is that especially at the top the central systems we had have like the uh, judiciary, the executive and the legislation, yeah. especially mm-hmm. the legislative branch. That means that there's not as much resource control. Like they don't ha- get access to as many of the proceeds from national wealth as they used to yeah, before. Yeah, exactly. Which is perhaps good for dealing with a lot of the corruption. That's that's a really fascinating. Sorry, I'm I'm, I'm uh, fangirling over this idea. It's really it's, it sounds very fantastic to me. Um, so so now my okay. So let 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 me ask another question. Um, so for so my my parents are Nigeria. I grew up for the most part in in Nigeria as well. Um, and I, I often used to hear these stories growing up about a better age of Nigeria where things used to be this way, where the currency was much stronger. Um, and yeah. and and our our parents' generation can imagine that because they lived through part of it. Um, yeah. Our generation, not quite. I don't think I've ever lived at any point in time where Nigeria hasn't yeah. had the struggles it currently has or, or, or worse. So, so you know, first of all, what does good governance look like if you were to just set out, you know, a, a three-point agenda? Like, oh, you know, if, I, if I Obama were to be president, this is how he'd run good governance, a, a good governance. Um, and, and, you know, what should we, you know, how do we ensure that this generation, our generation being jaded by having lived through a pretty, you know, a pretty tough, uh, experience of never having seen good government, how do we ensure that we, 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 we provide good governments when it inevitably becomes our, our turn to rule? Um, if you ask me, like if I ever miss president now, three points, I would go with fiscal federalism which which i think i just explained now yes yes i'll go with fiscal federalism religious freedom secularism okay. basically right. the state the country is secular in the constitution but it is multi-religious in, in um right. practice and reality mm-hmm. i'll go with that and i'll go with free markets basically we have a feudal monarchical structure now where the president is just a big monarch and the state is just involved in everything there's mm. literally nothing you can do without the state's involvement in Nigeria. we need a smaller government mm. so i'll go with you know fiscal federalism religious freedom and capitalism, capitalism? In, the of it. Huh. in the sense of it right right fascinating and then i mean there, there are definitely people that will come out and make arguments against uh, some of those elements. Uh, so, um, yeah, I agree. You know, for for example, I was talking to a northern friend of mine on about free markets, and he made very good points that see he does not have a problem with capitalism and the free market, but he feels they are on the part. They don't have the human capital to incentivize that. They need to educate. Their people. their people first huh, then right. when you have the human human capital you can then make people innovate right because in the in the footprints of perhaps federal capitalism federal mm-hmm. federalism where yeah. you know every state has to compete wouldn't a lot of every the, state exactly yeah. and that's the system in america that's right. the system in canada that's the system in australia hmm. so we 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 copied our parliamentary uh, parliamentary system from the british and our presidential system from America, right. but we are running everything upside down because it is a unitary structure. Let me get back to the example of the president being missing that we started this with. Yeah, you can see the clause of the military in all our laws. The law 
because we were supposed to discuss that while we were discussing the law that, that you know, talks about the president's health, basically puts the power in the Federal Executive Committee, committee mm-hmm. which, uh, which are the president's appointees, the ministers. So the ministers have to come together to say, you know what, the president is no longer fit to rule. Oh, wow. Then they do an investigation. They call five doctors, right. independent doctors. They told to be the president's personal physician. Mm-hmm. But this is not feasible. Yeah. Because presidential appointees will never go against the president they appointed. They are telling them that they should lose their jobs. Right. So this is it is a monarchy right. kind of setting. <laughs> Yeah. The power is supposed to be with the Senate yeah. to say, you know what, the president can no longer function and will run an investigative panel into his health. Right. But, you know, the military will basically place, place this with um, the Federal Executive Committee, which used to be the Supreme Military Council under the military. Right. Uh, because they, they so. did not want the Senate to come and attack or whatever, or, you know. So it's not true democracy, it's still... It's just democracy structured like a military. Exactly. Ah, I see. So we need that is one of the things you know. There are a lot of constitutional amendments we we need to do to devolve these powers to several other agencies of government. Okay, and and I find it fascinating asking you, you know, especially from your perspective, when I typically ask a lot of people about what their you know priorities would be. It ends up on more uh, kind of physical uh, advancements, more like education, infrastructure, that kind of thing. You know, some people want to yeah. see electricity being done. However, your thoughts yeah. are structural to the core, to the heart of how yeah, how governments. We need to get the structure right, and I think when we get structure right, and um, a lot of things would come in place. Okay. Now I have a question. Since you you effectively are, are preaching decentralizing the government to yeah. to, to a great extent, um, yeah. and you your argument, if I'm I just I'm just asking for a clarification. Your argument is that rather than expecting the headman because of all this authority and power he has to make all the yeah. best decisions and push advancement as long as quickly as possible, you mm-hmm. you create a competition between the states that pretty much means. If you don't invest and improve your locality, you know, exactly. you fall behind pretty much. Exactly. The states and the local governments. Uh, that's that's really fascinating. But that's, is there is there we cannot, you know, just keep on hoping for um a measure to come okay. and hmm. you know change the country, which is basically how the current president was sold anyway. Yeah. But it's, it's just it will never happen because the structure um, there's a saying that you know bad systems will always beat good people, no matter how you try the structure. Right. Well, if, if you were to bring um, the Kanye you or Atatürk of Turkey or President Obama or right. anyone to this unitary structure, there's nothing he's going to do. Hmm. Basically, nothing. Wow. He will just sit down there and have great speeches and live at the end of four years. Pretty much. So, so, so now my I guess what, my next question would be. Um, how would how would this work though? Because I feel like you dis the immediately the legislation is it's it's against the self interest of legislation. So you know yeah. how would this play out? Thank you very much. That is the problem. The only way it can play out, which you know might be too idealistic for mm-hmm. me, is if there is a political party that 
you know, makes this their main message. Because okay. it needs to start from the legislative houses and it is against their interest, like you said. Mm-hmm. It's basic game theory. They will not vote in support of it. Right. Basically. So, unless we have a movement, a real political movement, that mm-hmm. says, you know what, restructuring the country, decentralization is what we want. And they're able to sell this message. Mm-hmm. The people vote for that message, then we can start from the Senate and the House of Representatives. That is the only feasible way I see, unless, you know... So a president can't save us? A president cannot, because it is not constitutional. And unless that happens, you are going to have agitations like, you know, the there is a big Biafra uh, movement now yeah. led by an mm. estuary pirate radio station right. guy and you know it started basically from talking on radio and is a big deal in Nigeria now. Yeah, maybe that's what I'm hoping but, to be, but I'm joking. That's, uh, no. That is that is that is very fine, you know. So, you know, I just, I used to listen to him already before the president arrested him and became a big deal, basically yeah. because of the arrest. Yeah. Just, that, that's... He talked to people's sentiments and, you know, people feel marginalized. Right. That is the evil people because we've now addressed a lot of things from the civil war. Both yeah. sides have tried to shut down history right. and, you know, they just keep coming at each other's throats like, oh, you were at fault, I was at fault. So nobody came down to say, okay, you know what? The federal government of Nigeria probably did kill two million of people. Mm-hmm. The federal government of Nigeria did not make these people move on well from the civil war by mm-hmm. giving them 20 pounds for whatever investment they had before the war. Right. So we've not, you know, we hardly even have national remembrance days. We just decided to shut down that part of history. Yeah. That never happened. Yeah. So this guy, you know, he comes back to say a lot of these things, but it is because the structure of the country is still unitary. If the states had a lot of power or region in, in the sense, the people would hold their governors more responsible for these things. Right, and it's easier to hold your governor responsible as opposed to your person. because you, you can literally see the government house or even your local government chairman. Right. Huh. So, so my, my next question. And I'm 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 going to be running up shortly, but uh, I I enjoy asking you questions. But my, my podcast typically don't run this long. But thank you so much for sharing your your insights. Um. So so my next question is, I, I feel perhaps one of the most important I could ask anybody. People like you know people who are young, you know, twenties, thirties, effectively the generation that should be leveraging true change. Um, yeah. What do we do? What are the steps to be taken, both by Africans that live in Nigeria, or sorry, Nigerians that, and this is probably a model for all of Africa, really. Um, you know, the Africans that live, the Nigerians that live in Nigeria, the Nigerians that live abroad. What What are the steps we should start taking in order to leverage this systematic change that we need? I think um, African youths and basically Nigerian youths are more familiar with there's. Uh, so much um, ignorance about basic civics and we don't participate in politics as much as we should. We just basically leave these people to it. You know, we've made them professionals like they're professional politicians, so we just leave them to it. Yeah. There's a lot of voter apathy between, between the youths. Yeah. We never come together to say this is what we really want and we go to the same direction. Like all over social media today, Nigerian mm-hmm. youth basically just come after each other 
the, the PDP side and the APC side, and mm. we just, you know, attack each other without defining ideologies. It is we mm. still do the politics with personalities. Right. This guy is a better man than this guy. Yeah, guy right. What is the core ideology behind it? What huh. exactly do you want? Right. So we need an ideological based movement. Like for example, if I say I want free market, I want capitalism, I want somebody that is a socialist as young as they are right. to argue with me based on the ideology present even if you are a Marxist, present your cases let us debate on these ideologies. We stop, you know, coming with um, this man, that man, and right. we need to move into an ideological platform where our debate, our differences, should be based on the ideology. So, regardless of what happens, there will be continuity in when we get power because you know when you are voting for this party, mm-hmm. this is what you are getting, right. basically. As opposed to are this person, is what you are getting. Are you getting religious freedom from hmm. this party? Right. Are you getting a larger government? Right. Is this partisan you are getting from this party? It needs to be about ideology hmm. for the upcoming generation. Huh. So fantastic! I think that's I think that's very actionable because people can go out and learn about the positions they think would be ideal for the type of government they would like to see, and exactly. support that and debate on that as opposed to arguing whether GEG or PMB is the government. Oh, exactly. Right. So so now my final question. Um, is and it's a question I ask almost all of my guests is, is what are you optimistic about given what you've seen given some of the stuff you've mentioned what, what gives you hope about a greater future and honestly if you, if you don't believe there's hope it's fine you can tell me there's no hope and I will go to uh, I will end this podcast like that but uh, I think there are reasons to be optimistic the energy there's a lot of energy among Nigerians okay like um, everywhere is buzzing people are creating new things. There is a large tech scene in Lagos, in Yaba, moving on to Lake even in Abuja. There are a lot of ideas coming out, although they are not centralized yet, which I think is the main problem. You know, everybody just does their thing around and but you can see the vibrant energy there. People want to build, they want to create, people are building with the minimal resources they have, they are competing. Nigerians in diaspora are doing very, very well. Although it might be hard to, you know, go back home to apply these things, but the, you, you cannot miss the energy coming out of 18 to 27 year old Nigerians right now. There's energy everywhere. And I think. Yeah, we can harness that energy, we can use it very well and it gives me hope for the future mm. when I see a lot of innovations from young people, be it in the stems, in tech, in arts, culture. Mm. I mean, even in gender politics, um, young people are unlearning a lot of things they used to think right. were good from their parents and all. So it's, everything is just coming around and there's there's a bit of um, an enlightenment age going on hmm. in the Nigerian the age of enlightenment. Can, yeah? The Nigerian yeah. age of enlightenment. I yeah, like the, the Nigerian age of enlightenment. Like basically you can be on social media and you see a lot of Nigerians coming out to say, you know what? I'm atheist, I'm agnostic, right. I'm confused. <laughs> Years before you could not see that. Right. And you know, there are a lot of discussions around everything. So it is something that would open up our minds Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Ayabami, for coming on my podcast. I think this is a conversation 
my listeners will thoroughly enjoy and, and honestly if i get any follow-up questions if i find somebody that wants to debate you i'll definitely reach out to you again um, to have you on the podcast again i think your ideas are fantastic and i'm excited to see what you do in the future towards implementing them um, thank you very much this has you want to you know say bye to my guests one last time to my um, listeners rather goodbye to the listeners i hope you enjoyed this podcast and i'm glad to be here with you guys and i hope you know very soon i will be back here again awesome awesome well thank you so much about me this has been akandia dearly with pod save africa feel free to like subscribe share tell your friends about it tell your friends friends and tell your enemies they deserve a good podcast too um, thank you very much and uh, have a wonderful day Nati, nati, boom